Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hello and welcome to our Thirsty Podcast here on the Raised with Jesus podcast series. My name is Jeremy Leitman and I'm here with my co-host Michael Zarling. And our uh, guest today is the owner of a video production company that has done a lot of work with our Wisconsin Lutheran churches. His name is Brian, or I didn't hear your last name. Can you pronounce your last name for us, please? Urbanic. Urbanic. Brian Urbanic. Welcome, Brian. I've gotten a bunch of, thank you. Thank you. I've got a bunch of different pronunciations over the years, so whatever works. But thanks for having me on the show, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, Brian, why don't you tell us about your production company? Because we were talking before uh, before we started recording about how interesting that is and how much you do with the Wisconsin Synod with us. Yeah. So we have the awesome opportunity of serving uh, churches, schools and Christian organizations like parasonauticals or nonprofits um, by using video to tell their stories. And so a lot of times they uh, that's for fundraising purposes, for promotional purposes and then. In other times, we have the incredible opportunity that creates you know, to, to create content that directly has the opportunity to connect people to Jesus. Um, one one good example of that um, is a video based Bible study series that we produced for Tell, um, part of World Wells World Missions, and so it's sort of like a video based Bible information course, but the target audience are people are English speakers outside of the United States. Um, which, so it's, it's very, very interesting. So the the, the main areas um, tend to be Africa, South Asia, um, like India, Pakistan, stuff like that, right? Um, so in this case, in the video-based Bible studies that we you know produced, um, we got to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ through our work and then other projects similar to that as well. So it's a great blessing. So it sounds like these are more um, teaching, uh, like like sort of putting a Bible class in video form. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, that's like one type of content that we produce, uh, but it's not necessarily the majority. I would say the majority of content that we produce are documentary style videos for fundraising purposes, promotional purposes. So another common example um, that we... Uh, produce quite a bit for for churches on the local level um, would be a, a series of videos uh, that support a, a capital campaign for like a building project. And so uh, we've had uh, the great opportunity to partner with a couple of different churches just in the last couple of months who are embarking on, you know, um, building projects um, to support the capital campaign um, to make that happen. So you kind well, of got in- my imagination racing a little bit here. So, <laughs> but have you ever like, have you ever done anything um, narrative wise or um, animation wise? Like, let's say um, if if you wanted to produce a video of Cain and Abel for for you know to show a Sunday school or something, that uh, would you? Would you do something like that? Would you have actors or would you do you have you ever tried anything with animation? Yeah, so um we do do some things with animation. Um when it comes to actors um and and that world of filmmaking that we typically refer to as narrative filmmaking um or scripted filmmaking, that is not um our world. Ours is um 
more non-scripted filmmaking, documentary style filmmaking. But um, yes, animation is something that uh, we do do once in a while, um, which is a lot of fun. Um, we do it mostly for a project for Wells Congregational Services called The Foundation. And so that is a resource available to Wells churches to use for worship planning. And a lot of that is, you know, themes for worship, the readings, that sort of thing. But in addition to that, churches also can access um, promotional media materials uh, that we produce. Um, so that is um, a logo for the series, uh, worship folder cover, um, social media um graphics and a promotional video that they can use either on social media or play in church after worship, you know, a week or two leading up to the start of a new series, for example. So with that, so, with that, Brian, how, how important is it to have the video in our culture uh, and not just, you know, someone saying it? And the reason I ask is, you know, as Jeremy was asking you about animation one of the things that I do in my seventh and eighth grade catechism classes is, you know, we read the story, we go through the questions and, you know, I, I put in a video uh, Bible story. And ones that I've been using is just called stories of the Bible. It's like three minutes and the kids picked up on it in my seventh grade catechism class. And they just go, Ayo, cause that's the way everyone greets each other there. And they think it's hilarious, but, it's way below them. It's not designed for seventh and eighth graders. And yet they are, they're watching with rapt attention because it's just a simple Bible story. That's not audio, but is seeing it. So why is video so important to our culture today? I think in general, video has the amazing opportunity to be able to transport the viewers into a different world that, is not their own. And so when it comes to uh, the types of, you know, uh, animations of uh, Bible accounts that you're talking about, um, you know, and, and maybe something kind of like the Bible project, right. Uh, which is a very, very well done um, from a production standpoint uh, series that uses animation to uh, tell the accounts of, of the Bible. Um you know, so the, the viewers are able to sort of feel like they are in that world, right? In terms of the type of work that we do, um, we have the opportunity to go out into mission fields across the world that most people just don't go to. Um, but we go there with our cameras, with the microphones, and create a uh, documentary or a video piece or video content to be able to show people back home here in the United States, right? And so through those types of videos, um, we're able to transport the viewers into this other world where they can see God's amazing work happening, um, you know, with individuals, right? And it's not just like, oh yeah, there's work happening in Africa or there's work happening in Southeast Asia, but God's work is happening with individuals and we can tell those stories through video. And it's just, it, it brings it to a whole nother level than simply uh, communicating that orally, right? The viewers have the opportunity to, to see what's, what's going on, to hear what's going on. They can see the surroundings and the world that these people live in, the places that God is doing his work. And um, it's not just happening here in our backyard or, or in our, in the United States, but it's happening everywhere. Thanks be to God. Right. Well, and that's one of the things I was thinking of. I was 
talking to Jeremy and his wife, Abby, last week and just talking a little bit about how my preaching style has changed over the years that I used to, you know, try and find a humorous anecdote or something to get people's attention when I preach. And I've gotten away from that. And I've really just tried telling stories now and trying to draw people in. Sometimes it's a biblical story and changing things up or doing the background on it, like you might have in the chosen or so forth, uh, but just audio or telling real life stories. Cause I see that in what you're doing and some of the other videos that the Wisconsin Senate has done of telling a specific story and saying, and, and because it just draws people in as opposed to a real general, uh, Hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. I love those impact stories of, um, individuals, um, that show, you know, um, and tell the story of, of God's work happening. Um, those when, when we can, um, you know, hear the stories of fellow Christians um, around the world. Um, it helps us relate it to ourselves, right? And um, how neat is that to be able to uh, to be able to hear those impact stories, and then for my team and I to be able to tell those impact stories. The other thing that videos do is they um, are distracting, because now while you guys have been talking, I, I looked up the Bible Project oh. <laughs> just because I'd never heard of that, and now now I've gone down a rabbit hole that I need to get back to this conversation here um <laughs> they do, do really nice stuff do you um do, do you have so how big is your team do you have a team of people yeah about half dozen or so and what is what is what is everybody's job yeah so basically um everyone has different skill sets uh from um editing motion graphic uh animation um graphic design um and then uh and shooters uh, like videographers and then, you know, like more business administration side, like um, bookkeeper and uh, administrative assistant, that sort of thing. So, well, that and are these all family members, friends, uh, professionals that you've come across? Yeah. So, um, professionals that are actually based all over the world. And so it's really neat that um, our team happens to be quite global. So, we have three team members who are based in different countries um, and they are from those countries as well. So, it's not like they're, um, you know, Americans who have gone to live in different countries. Um, and so we're, we're able to collaborate, um, with our professional skill sets and have all these different perspectives, which is really neat. Um, and so, yeah, some of the, the, the folks are people that, um, you know, I've been working with for a really long time before, um, I started this business. Um, and that's been a huge blessing. And then others are people that I just have come in contact with along the way and networked with and, and that sort of thing. So um, one of which is uh, she's a writer. Um, sh her and I did some work together when she was at a uh, uh, a client of ours, actually. And um, then she uh, went off and did her own thing. And so now we're doing some work together. So, Well, with that, that was kind of leading into one of the questions I had is, what kind of schedule do you and the others <laughs> that do this have? Because, you know, Jeremy and I appreciate that we change the date for recording this, change the time for recording this. And I, I just can't imagine that you have uh, you know, a nine to five job to do this kind of work. Yeah, not usually. Um, for the last probably about a month or so, I have been mostly on the road uh, besides home for about a week during Holy Week and Easter. And um, 
which was a huge blessing to be home at that time with my family. But um, yeah, so, you know, my, my schedule is kind of a combination of being um, at a desk, um, working on scripts and editing pieces and, and scheduling shoots and, and producing projects. I'm then out in the field filming. Um, and so for the last um, month, specifically, and actually for the last couple of months overall, uh, but not not entirely, uh, I've been working on this really, really special project, a uh, brand new project with Truth and Love Ministry, a Wells Parasonautical in Idaho. And um, so that is called Jesus is Enough. And uh, that's a really neat project where we are telling the stories of ex-Mormon Christians and um, recounting the story of their faith journey for current Mormons who are sort of one foot in, one foot out of the LDS church. And there is a mass exodus right now of uh, Mormons from the LDS church, and a lot of them are turning to atheism. And so this project um, hopes to be able to um, connect with them when they have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, and say, hey, instead of going to atheism, um, let's tell you about the biblical Jesus and his grace and his love and his mercy. Cause that's something that they don't have, unfortunately, uh, in the LDS church. So that's a really, really awesome project that we've been working on for the last couple of months. And it's, it, that's sort of a, a year long project. So it's, it's quite a big one. Well, what's that? Is that? They're leaving. I'm sorry. Do you know why they're leaving uh, in, in such large numbers? I, so it seems you know, anecdotally that like the, the vast majority of people are leaving related to social issues and historical problems that they see in the LDS church, things like polygamy and things that don't necessarily line up historically. But what we're doing is we're focusing on folks who are seeing um, issues with the doctrine of the LDS church and that the the Book of Mormon and the doctrine of the church um, contradicts what the Bible says. And so those are the stories that we're focusing on um, for to be able to present that to to people as they are sort of on their way out and and just searching and looking. Um, there's a lot of content out there, it seems like, um, of ex-Mormons who just bash the church um, for these like social issue reasons and that sort of thing. And those people tend to be now atheists. And so this project is unique in that we are um, communicating um, the doctrine side of things. And with Truth and Love, is that a, a Wells group that's that's doing this? Yes. Yeah, that's a Wells personatical. They're based in Nampa, Idaho, and uh, they do some really neat work. Um, they, uh, it seems like one of their big things are uh, mission trips where they uh, gather a group of Christians together um, to go and, um, you know, put themselves in situations where they might be able to proclaim the love of Christ to, to Mormons. And um, so, yeah. So with that is, who is writing the material for this? Is that you and your writer or, or those pastors that are giving the material? Because that's not going to be an easy thing to <laughs> to write, to figure out, all right, like Jeremy asked about, you know, why are they leaving the the mm. LDS? Because you have to have some kind of knowledge of what they believed in the LDS and what scripture really says. Exactly. So this project is is unique in that way um, because it's um, 
you know, a, a pastor from the client organization, his name is Pastor Mark Parsons. And um, he is the one who is uh, writing the scripts for, for this docu-series um, because he's the one who he has been studying Mormonism for the last couple of years, ever since he was called to that ministry. And um, so he's definitely the expert, you know, when it comes to, to that sort of thing. Um, and uh, this project is unique because the target audience of um, the video content are not not Wells members. And so, yeah, as you're saying, th- this is a, a group of um, people that I uh, personally, you know, didn't really have a lot of expertise on before getting involved with this project, whereas he's definitely, you know, been studying this in order to, to do a project like this, you know. But for most of our other projects, um, you know, the, the target audience are Wells members, and that's a group of people that... Um, I have, you know, come to know for the last couple of decades of my life. So, um, just so happened to have, uh, been born and raised in, in, um, in a Welsh church. So that, um, that, that, that's a different demographic that is easier for me to write to. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. Well, I know pastor Mark Parsons, he had organized the website bread for beggars and years ago. And I was one of the guys that was writing for him back then. Oh, okay. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, it seems I, see I don't... that in go ahead. Go ahead. No, that I don't really have. <laughs> oh, I I just noticed in the background you have a poster of uh it looks like a maybe a Clint Eastwood movie or a western or something. Yeah, that is uh The Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Uh and it's actually the the French version of that uh movie poster. Or the French ah. poster of that movie. So cool. Um yeah. so I, I'm just curious because last time, you know, we had Jeremiah Bachhaus on and um, he, he tried to break up the friendship between me and Michael Zarling by bashing the Mandalorian and uh, Mandalorian is supposed to be a sci-fi uh, show in the style of a Western. Okay. And so are you, are you a Mandalorian fan? No, I, you know, to be honest, I'm not a huge uh, like I'm not a typical like movie buff or uh, series buff or anything like that, which seems quite contradictory, you know, you considering. Just, yeah. Do you just like French? Do, is so. that why that poster's there? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I do like this movie. I do like this movie. In the um, French or just or in English? I, You know, I haven't seen it in French, but um, I so my minor, my college minor is in French. And I've been to France a number of times and uh, studied the culture quite a bit. My stepdad happens to be an immigrant from France. And um, so when I happened to see uh, this movie poster in French, and I think the movie is great, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Um, it's unique. So Well, and, and you're right, Jeremy, is, uh, you know, tying this all together is when I wrote for Bread for Beggars, one of the articles I had written was on the Mandalorian and it was called the good, the bad and the Mandalorian because that, especially that first episode, the way that the Mandalorian acts uh, and the music and so forth, it is right out of the good, the bad and the ugly. You know, he is a Clint Eastwood character. The music is very similar to it and and so forth. So that, that was, that was a good tie in there, Jeremy. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, should we get into the gospel lesson? Sounds good. All right. This is Luke 24. Now on that same day, day that Jesus was raised from the dead, 
Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all of these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing this, Jesus himself approached and began to walk along with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, What are you talking about as you walk along? Saddened, they stopped. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. They replied, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Not only that, but besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Also, some women of our group amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels, who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village where they were going, he acted as if he were going to travel farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, since it is almost evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and began giving it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us along the road, and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? They got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those who were with them assembled together. They were saying, The Lord really has been raised. He has appeared to Simon. They themselves described what had happened along the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. So, Brian, why do you think the two disciples were so surprised at Jesus' question of, what are the two of you talking about? Yeah, I suppose that um, this was just such a, a big local event of Jesus' crucifixion um, and everything that had surrounded all these events that um, for, you know, someone to not have heard about these things is sort of shocking, maybe. So I was wondering, are you guys sports fans? Do you like follow the Milwaukee Bucks or the Packers? You do, Brian? I enjoy them. I follow them a, a little bit. Okay. I know the uh, Bucks are one and one in their series right now. But you know that, but you're not really following them. No, no. Yeah, see, that's the thing is, I don't pay any attention to that stuff either. I have no idea what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and and the Bucks in the playoffs. Yeah, and and yet people are going, yeah, they're in the playoffs and all these kinds of things, but you don't pay any attention to it. Uh, now, if it was Star Wars, you know. I'd be all over it. And you know, it's like you said, Brian, that uh, they're just surprised because this is the talk of the weekend. And that how, how could the stranger not know what's going on? So, Jeremy, what hope did they confess? 
that uh, they were hoping Jesus would be the redeemer of Israel. What does that mean? Uh, well, I actually recently did a chapel devotion on this whole episode. And uh, did your did your daughter did did your daughter come home and talk about it? She did not. I'm sorry. Oh man, so it didn't didn't leave a big impression. When I, when was this devotion? This was last week, last Thursday. Okay, maybe well, you she just hasn't, left her speechless, right? Yeah, well, she hasn't yeah. been talking to me too too much lately with my call to Modesto, California. She just kind of staying well, away from I was, me. I was just, <laughs> I I actually was focusing in. I'm glad that you tossed this question my way because uh, I was I was sort of focusing in. The fourth quarter of our uh, Shoreland Chapel series is all about Jesus, our redemption. And uh, so all the chapel devotions have to do with redeeming. And this this was why we picked uh, the Emmaus disciples precisely because they said we hoped he was going to redeem Israel. And when I when I preached on this, um, I actually made a uh, comparison of these two disciples to the characters of Dumb and Dumber. Um, that not because they're so unintelligent, but just because uh, there was a misunderstanding of the word redeem that uh, when Harry sees Lloyd on the on the highway. Have you both seen this movie, by the way? I have Oh, not. my goodness. Michael. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, so I've seen the movie, but I'm, I'm not sure I exactly remember which part you're talking about. So it was the part where they, they're driving this van out to Colorado, but they get in a fight because Lloyd takes a wrong turn and they drive hundreds of miles the wrong way. And then he he comes back on this tiny motor scooter that barely fits one grown man. And uh, and he says, I traded the van for this motor scooter. You can get 70 miles to the gallon on it. And, uh, and then uh, Harry looks at him and says, uh, Lloyd, just when I think you couldn't get any dumber, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> well, awesome. may, I might have seen it, but it was the French version. <laughs> the, the, the word would be different, right? So, <laughs> But that's that's what they their, their misunderstanding of the Emmaus disciples was that Redeem, they thought meant Jesus was going to come down and uh, stomp out all the gangsters on the streets and kick all the corrupt politicians out of the uh, courts and, and uh, get rid of the um, hypocritical priests and uh, Pharisees in the church. And uh, that was their concept of redeem. And uh, when they saw that he died on the cross um, and suffered so badly, that uh, totally undermined their definition of redeem yeah and the status of that that easter afternoon that easter evening it was it was gone you know of jesus being the physical political redeemer of israel so brian why did jesus rebuke these two men uh i suppose that he rebuked them for not knowing what the Old Testament had said and the prophets had said um, that Christ had to suffer um, and enter his glory and that, you know, he's not coming to redeem an earthly kingdom, um, but a kingdom that's not of this world, right? 
so Jeremy so and I, in his rebuke, do you think that another good way to translate the word that he used to rebuke them would have been dumb and maybe how, dumber, how dumb, how dumb you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the way he yours. says it too, uh, let's see, this is verse 26, I think, right? 25. Um, yeah. How foolish did, slow did not the, yeah. How foolish are you? And then did not the Christ have to suffer? Like, you know, he's posing this rhetorical question, right? Right. And that's, yeah. yeah it expects yeah. a yes answer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy and I've talked about this the last few episodes, just the tone of voice, you know, is he rebuking them with a real harsh voice? Or, you know, I think of the way I was talking to my, seventh graders on Tuesday, they didn't, uh, I gave them an assignment. It was a simple assignment of writing a prayer, having their parents sign off on it and they would get uh, full credit of it. And I had four out of the 18 handed in. And, and I just said, you know, I'm just disappointed in you, you know, that these, these are the consequences. I'm not going to yell at you. And what I said is I give you grace and now you just abused my grace. And so now there's going to be consequences is you get you know you can have a 50 percent until you hand this in and and the reason i say that is because you know when it says he rebuked them you know how you know is he yelling at them how foolish you are and slow to heart to believe or is it softer it's just you know a deep sigh how foolish you are slow to heart to believe yeah maybe as if he's just you know hanging his head and saying Guys, we talked about this. Like, how many times have we gone over this? You know, and you're still not getting it. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think of it as are you, are you a father, Brian? I am. Yeah. I have a three year old and a three month old. All right. So you haven't done this too often yet, like Jeremy <laughs> and I have, is that rebuking. <laughs> yeah. Well, that disappointing dad. Oh, that you can do not, with an not old, too much. Yeah, yeah. With an older, older child, a teenager. It's probably it's probably not going to work real well on a three year old, and definitely not the three month old. She has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, Brian, how did Jesus help them, even though he had just rebuked them? Well, the neat thing is that you know he pointed straight back to the scriptures and um, he laid it all out. You know, beginning with Moses and the prophets, and he explained what they all said about himself, which is, you know, interesting that he's telling them what these guys talked about himself, about himself, you know, even though they didn't know who he was, right? So kind of laid it all out for them. Right. And and there I'm thinking of doing a Bible study with them. And there I want, for our listeners, I wanted to promote a book that uh, John Brug, who is retired professor from the seminary, he's one of our members here at Water of Life, uh, and you can find this book on Amazon and elsewhere. It's called Fascinating Facts, Puzzling Problems and Matters of Taste. And uh, John is the general editor of the EHV Bible that we've been using at our church and other Wells churches. And so a lot of the, a lot of what he has written in the book, I've read about half of it, is uh, just notes that he and others have gathered from questions that people have on the translations and why they chose things. And, and also, you know, Jeremy, you had John in class. It's also his wisdom, but his extremely dry humor. It's in the book. And, you know, one of the things that I found very interesting in there was, like, 
in the ark for the ark of the covenant in the holy of holies what kind of leather was used and he brings a point of well it's probably manatee you know and so forth it's something you wouldn't think of but uh the reason I bring that up here is it's just another book to get into deeper into scripture if you have questions on it and so forth. And just like Jesus does with the disciples of getting them into a Bible study while they're walking on the road, find whatever ways you can, you know, go to your pastor's Bible study, go to your small group Bible study. You know, we appreciate all of our listeners listening to this as a Bible study. So with that, then. Jeremy, Jesus started with the truth in a Bible study to correct his erring disciples. How is that good advice for us when we need to rebuke someone for their errors? Because it won't be you talking. It will be God. Uh, it's his word. And uh, you'll, I, I've, I found that a lot when I am just teaching and I'm in front of a group of teenagers and um I know I need to say something, but I'm just not sure how to handle it. And mm. um, it, when you, this this also, I mean, you, you need to know your Bible, and that does include some memorization. Um, so, but but once I once I dial up whatever the story is or the the passage, and maybe I don't even have the exact wording of it, but just the the most important gist of it, um, it it uh, it ends up giving me something to say. And uh, it it ends up being a powerful thing to say because, like I said, it's not it's not me talking; it's God's word. And as I was uh, thinking about this question too, I was thinking of you know the very first temptation that Satan gave to Adam and Eve in the garden was, "Did God really say?" And isn't that really? the essence of any question that any anyone's going to bring to us. You know, think of an unbeliever questioning us on whatever we're doing, whatever we're believing. Did God really say that? And then we just go to Scripture and say, yeah, he, he really did say that. Um, and it's what I was teaching my eighth graders in apologetics. Uh, I don't remember the exact question was, but they wanted to right away give a statement and say, well, this is what, this is what it says, or this is what God says in the Bible. Like, Whoa. So I understand where you're coming from, but better is you've got to ask questions, you know, mm -hmm. ask leading questions and then lead them into, you know, some very good answers. And I said, uh, if you tell them right away, this is what God says in the Bible, they're probably, if not being non-Christians, they're not going to listen. But if it just sounds like it's common sense and God's word is a lot of common sense, then and you lead them into it. And then when they start asking really tough questions and you say, you know what? I don't know that. That's a really good question. But I know someone who does know, hey, let's go talk to my pastor. And then you have the pastor able to lead them into doing a Bible study. And that works with teens. It works with their middle schoolers, but it works with us as adults too. Because I have a lot of members that will ask me a question and I go, I don't know. Let me talk to John Brug. And, and they go, I understand, Pastor. <laughs> I I love that approach too. Um, you know, my my sister in law uh, just uh, came uh, this week, just arrived this week to to visit us for about a month, and um, she has she's like in her early mid twenties. She has a lot of questions about 
religion and faith and Christianity and the Bible. And there are a lot of great questions that she has that I have no idea what the answer is, but it's really, it's a really good opportunity for me to say to her, like, Hey, that's a great question. Um, let's dig into the Bible together and see if we can find that answer together. And I think she really appreciates that. Um, And then it just leads to more Bible study and hopefully more understanding of the Bible and God's word. Right. So. And I bet, you know, all three of us have our last guest on our, on our cell phone. You can just call Jeremiah up, right. And he can help you out. Right. Absolutely. Yep. He's a great resource too. So for our, for our listeners, our last guest was, Jeremiah Bachaus, who is a classmate and friend of Jeremy's. And uh, I've been listening to uh, his Worship at the Anvil podcast now that he mentioned last week. But he also happens to be the pastoral assistant at our Savior, where Brian goes to church. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And he's been a huge blessing to our congregation um, for many, many years, but especially in the last um, bit of time in a vacancy that we've had. So, Recently, you know, he uh, came um, over to our house and baptized my little girl. Her name is Faith. And um, so that was uh, that was wonderful that he was willing to come over and do that. And uh, yeah, very uh, glad that he's at our Savior Lutheran Church. He didn't do anything with an anvil with the baptism, did he? <laughs> no, but I, I got to, uh, I had the pleasure of being on that podcast as well. And so... Um, that that was fun, and now there's you know this kind of connection here. So, oh, I am listening to that podcast right now. That that's interesting. I'll have to find. Yeah, it. yeah. so this was um, probably September or October of um, 2022. Is it called the symbol? Was it, it was it the storyteller? Yes. Yep, the, yep. 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 I'm uh, I'm 24 and a half minutes into that exact one. That's interesting. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Uh, so, so Brian, what did the two disciples do when they realized it was Jesus? Uh, when they realized it was Jesus, um, apparently they got so excited, they just ran off and went and told the, the 11 in Jerusalem. And um, yeah, they clearly got very excited about this. So Jeremy, how have you envisioned this of Jesus? How does, how did he keep this? Uh, himself hidden from the disciples knowing them and, and then also revealing himself, right. As he breaks the bread and gives it to them. Um, the same way that uh, I, I mean, there, I can't say for sure. Um, but uh, it, it's the same way that he, um, I, I, I hate to use the word manipulated, but uh Howard, he he uh, arranged things so that uh, his body could leave a tomb that was still sealed. It's a true human body, and yet he could walk out of the tomb on Easter morning. The angel didn't need to let him out by rolling away the stone. The angel was showing that the tomb was already empty. Uh, And then uh, the same thing happened with the locked doors that the disciples... Uh, when the disciples saw him and he ate the broiled fish and gave them the use of the keys, uh, the, he 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 can have a real human resurrected body, and yet still uh, he can control it for certain purposes at certain times. 
And I think that's kind of what's going on here too. Uh, he is, um, I, I don't know if, if the, it was like uh, visual changes that he, that he made to his face. Um, maybe we should ask the videographer this question. <laughs> what well, do you, what like, do you yeah. picture? I mean, certainly like you said, Pastor, we, we can't know for sure, right? Um, I guess uh, the way that I pictured it was that just in some miraculous way, he prevented these guys from truly seeing who he is, you know, whether that is physically or seeing or, or, or not necessarily. Right. But I, I think that the interesting thing about this and something that, you know, this reminds me of is that uh, the Bible is filled with all these small moments that sort of require the, the readers to sort of this idea of suspend your disbelief, right? And this is very common and popular in in filmmaking and in movies. Um, when a director is creating a world um, that the movie takes place in, um, it requires the viewers to suspend their disbelief of what of what can and can't happen. There, the director is creating this new world that the movie is is taking place in. And in the case of movies. This is, you know, fictional, right? So the, the director has the ability to sort of create any world that they want to, right? And the, the only way for the viewer to, to really get into the movie is to suspend their disbelief. When it comes to the Bible, you know, we, we know that, that this is not fiction, that this is, you know, truth. Um, but from if we were to look at some of these moments, you know, under a microscope, um, like uh, Jesus not allowing... Um, these disciples to see who he truly is. Um, or, you know, the fact that he suddenly shows up in the room, um, you know, with with uh, the disciples and reveals himself um, after he has rose from the dead. These are moments where, you know, it seems like, oh, this stuff is unbelievable, right? But if we zoom out and look at the grand scheme of the entire uh, story and narrative that God paints for us over the course of the entire Bible, we see that, you know, he is a God that is able to do whatever he wants because he's the creator of all things, right? He has the ability to to do things like, you know, not allow people to see these things, right? Um, and, and he creates the rules for this world because he's the one who created it, right? And he's all powerful. And thankfully, thanks be to God, he's also an all loving God. So it's not like he's, you know, this manipulator, right? Who's who's doing things in a crazy way, but but, you know, um, with his grace and his love, everything that he does is for our good and out of love. Um, so that's just kind of was, what comes to mind with all this stuff. I was just kind of thinking, and I don't know if you either of you have ever seen this, but the, I, the, there was this um, drawing, one of those like optical illusion drawings, where it's like a a woman, a, a young woman who's got like a puffy she's got some kind of like a i forget if it's a, a bonnet or a a puff sleeved dress or something like that and then and then you look at it a different way i don't think you even need to turn it upside down i think you can just look at it a different way and it's like an old woman and she's got yeah. a you know curved nose and it, the the puff of the dress or whatever was actually the the old woman's hair up in a bun or something like that and do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I've definitely right. seen this. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I kind of think maybe that's a little bit analogous to what Jesus did here. It was kind of like 
he didn't totally just become a different looking person, but just some little tweaks to what his appearance was made it so that they, they were staring at him without realizing who he was. Well, I'm preaching on this text on Sunday. And one of the things I said for uh, keeping his, keeping himself hidden from the disciples as he's talking to them on the road is just taking his nail scarred hands and then putting them a little deeper into his pockets so that they don't see those. And then as he's breaking the bread and handing it to the disciples, then they're able to see the candlelight coming through that big gaping wound in the middle of his hand. And, and something else I was thinking too is, is he, hiding himself from them or is he keeping them from seeing him meaning Hmm. the what came to my mind was like the scales that were on saul's eyes and then Hmm. he's baptized by ananias and now he can see like if there are other people there could those other people have seen jesus for who he was it's just these two disciples couldn't right that's that's kind of what you're you're posing right that's interesting yeah. So this, this whole idea too, this whole concept um, makes me think back to um, this project that I told you, Jesus is Enough, um, with Truth and Love Ministries telling the stories of ex-Mormon Christians. Um, you know, all these folks um, who, you know, most of them grew up Mormon, um, their eyes had been closed to who the true biblical Jesus was. You know, and that was done um, not so much in a in a physical way, right? But um, through um, certain uh, teachings and doctrine um, that were not biblical. Um, and then, you know, through these people's stories that we are interviewing, um, they're able to tell us about their eyes being open to seeing who the true Jesus is. They thought they knew who Jesus was. They saw, they thought that Jesus was our older spirit brother who's simply an example for us, but not our substitute um, to save us from our sins. And now, through the work of the Holy Spirit and through God's word, they're able to see who the true Jesus is. Their eyes have been opened. And it's that's an amazing thing. And we're going to get to that in just a little bit with the reaction that the disciples have. But before we get there, uh, Brian, you had mentioned a little bit before about you know, the Old Testament. So what encouragement is found in this ac- account to get us to study the Old Testament? I think it's just, you know, to revisit uh, what these prophets had spoken about um, when it comes to the coming Messiah, to revisit um, what they said about the coming Jesus, uh, just like, you know, Jesus had told these disciples. Um, so it, uh, yeah, it makes me want to revisit that stuff. And I think I saw a meme today and it made me think of this too, is we should make sure we kind of make new converts aware, you know, because they want to start reading the Bible, which is fantastic. And they start with Genesis again, Exodus, and then to let them know, all right, when you get to Leviticus, it's pretty weird. And it's just going to get weirder as you go through here and you're not going to understand all this. Uh, but it is important uh, to know all of these things. Uh, I just had someone message me last last week. She was reading the second chapter of my book, and which is on Revelation 13. And she said, Revelation just scares me. And what, what I encourage her with others is Revelation should not be scary. 
it's you just have to study the Old Testament, study the New Testament, and all of those, uh, everything that's in the Old and New Testament is in Revelation, but it's just in sub- symbolic picture language. And if you just read Revelation without the key of the other books, the other 65 books, you're not going to understand everything. The more you, you're still not going to understand everything in Revelation. You know, Jeremy and I have taught it often enough. You're not going to understand everything. But when you know the Old and New Testaments better, then Revelation makes a lot more sense. So that's that's the encouragement for our people, his listeners, just get into reading the Old Testament. Like, I just had a text from a former member today. He texted and said that his dad was dying. And so he reached out to me wondering, you know, what kind of prayer he should say with his dad because his dad is a Christian, but has been away from church from a long time. And I said, I wouldn't say a special prayer. I'd say, I said, read the Gospels, the second half of each Gospel, as it talks about the passion of Christ through the resurrection. And then each day when you're with him, read that. And then read a couple of Psalms and just explain the Psalms. And I said, it's amazing how often the Psalms will open up to you just questions that the two of you have. And I said, and then begin and end each one with each discussion with Luther's morning or evening prayer, uh, the, the creed and the Lord's prayer. You know. So Jeremy, what is our only comfort when life doesn't make sense to us? Like it did not make sense to these two disciples. Jesus. Boom. <laughs> All right. Do you want to elaborate on that or are you going to go with that? Uh, he is the son of God and true man. Um, he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Just recite the, know. you know, Apostles Creed, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Explanation to that, right? <laughs> yeah. Not with and, gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, innocent suffering and death. There you go. Well, one of the things I remember is I was a new pastor, new missionary down in Kentucky. Uh, so it had been about 26 years ago. And the, the founding family of the congregation and the biggest givers of the congregation, he was the president of the congregation. He and his wife got upset with me and said, we're done. And I'm like, what, what did I do or what's going to happen to this church now? And uh, I remember calling up one of our pastors. Uh, we ha- He was one of our first guests, Jeremy, of uh, Pastor Tom Cuck. Oh, and I know him. We've, okay. we've produced marriage moments together. Okay. Yeah. And so he was in Johnson City, Tennessee, where I had summer vicar for him for two weeks. And he said, after listening to me, just very concerned about ministry at Faith in Radcliffe, Kentucky, he said, Mike, did Jesus rise from the dead? Because it was getting around <laughs> Easter time. I said, yeah, Tom. He said, then don't worry about it. It's fine. Jesus rose. Yeah. And that's always stuck with me. And that's that's why I asked this question. And, you know, obviously, Jeremy, you're right. You went with the uh, kindergarten kids answer, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like, you know, the, the, the truth is that no matter what happens, you know, he lives and that has eternal consequences. And that's an amazing thing. So, Brian, why do you think Jesus did not reveal his identity to the Emmaus disciples. I mean, he very well could have pulled his hands out of his pockets and talked to them right then and there and rebuked them. 
Yeah. Um, boy, this is a great question um, that I'm really curious about what you pastors have to say about this. But, um, you know, uh, I I know for sure that he didn't do this because he was just curious about, you know, what they would have to say behind his back or something like that. He, he's God. He already knows that. Right. He doesn't have to to do that in order to, to learn that. Um, OK, well, Jeremy, you got anything I, or Brian, you got more? Well, I, I, I'll just, it's, I'll, you don't need to, you don't need to go to the seminary to give this answer. It's um, because it was what they needed. They, uh, <laughs> he knew, he knew that they were, that it, whatever appearing to them directly would be harmful for them, uh, that it would not be helpful for, it goes back to what you said before about um, your, about Jesus, God, not only being all powerful, but also all loving and so uh, whatever reason that he had for not revealing his identity, it was because it was for their good. Yeah, because, you know, maybe if he just revealed himself to them right away, then they they would have it would have been easy for them to think that, you know, his only mission was to redeem Israel in an earthly sense like they had been thinking. Right. But instead, he walked with them and allowed them to revisit the promises um, and the and the prophecies of the Old Testament um, for them to be able to to remember those and come to that understanding. And, you know, maybe that was just the process that they needed, like you're saying, pastor, because God knows exactly what they needed in that moment in all moments. Well, and actually I, I'm glad that you talked that out a little with me because I, I want to tweak my answer a little bit. Um, I think that a lot of times our big problem is that we just want to jump right to an answer. And that so much of what, what I'm finding out more and more, the more I experience of life is that it's not about um, it, a lot of times it's not about just getting a problem solved or getting an answer to something uh, that it's more about the conversation. Uh, that's what the whole book of Job is. Book of Job is, well, why does God uh, let bad things happen to good people? And he never really gives an answer. God never really at the end of Job says, uh, well, this is why I wanted to, let the devil have his way with you. Um, he kind of leaves it unanswered. And what's more important is that we're having a conversation. And that's that's kind of what you see here with Jesus. He's. It's not so much like, ta-da, I'm alive. I came back from the dead. Here's the solution to all your problems. It's, how about we have a talk? How about we converse and dialogue a little bit? It's kind of like this idea of uh, destination versus the journey, right? Which is better. Yep. And um, this kind of reminds me, what you're talking about, Pastor, it reminds me of uh, a big question uh, that I've had is, you know, after the fall into sin and God promises he'll send a savior, why didn't he just send Jesus right away? You know, um, why wait all the how many years he did to send that savior when he could have just sent Jesus to, you know, pay for the sins of the world right then and there. Right. And then we don't, we'd be all done with this. Right. But clearly um, all that stuff in between had to happen. Right. And because he's an all knowing God, he knew that he knows that. Right. One of the things I was thinking of with this too, and this very close to what you guys are saying is what I often talk to people about who are struggling, who are suffering, going through cancer, chemotherapy, surgeries and so forth i'll often say you know nothing worthwhile ever comes easy and then i'll follow it up by saying 
And if it was easy, uh, then everyone could do it. You know, but basically, you know, because it's hard, now we can do it. And then lead them in the scripture that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. What you guys are saying, I, I think, is what that last passage says. They had to suffer and go through all of this so they could get to that hope right at, you know, in the evening as Jesus is breaking bread. So then that leads to the next question, Jeremy. Uh, you know, they had just told Jesus not to go on because uh, night was approaching. But once Jesus revealed himself, even though it's night, why do you think they run all the way back to Jerusalem? Because a guy dying and then coming back from the dead is pretty uh, major news. And um, especially if it's somebody that is close to you and a friend th that you're going to be even more motivated to, uh, you're not going to be able to settle in for the evening after something like that gets your adrenaline pumping. Uh, and uh, yeah, and they, I'm guessing they probably had a much quicker pace of walk, if not run uh, on their return journey than when they were walking to Emmaus. Right, you know, I think of, you know, their walk to Emmaus was like a, a funeral dirge because they really had just left the funeral of Jesus. But now they're running back, and uh, Jewish men don't run. And I'm I imagining that they, they are pulling up their coats and they are running, and you know they're like converts, and because their hearts were burning within them, you know, I'm going to guess Brian that you know. In your work, in interviewing people, you get to meet a lot of people that are on fire for the Lord. Yes, totally. And that's that's just a really, really neat thing to be able to connect with those folks. And certainly, you know, um, we can be on fire for the Lord, uh, whether, you know, this is whether we've known the gospel our entire lives or if it's something more recent for us. But the thing with those, like you're saying, Pastor, those converts who they haven't known the gospel their entire lives, they know what their life was like before knowing the gospel. And now that they have the gospel, man, it's a totally different ball game, right? Um, all bets are off. And that's what's happening with these disciples here, right? You know, they didn't care if they had to run through the dark, run through the night, whatever, because they are motivated by the gospel, and they and and now knowing that you know everything has been accomplished, that good news that Jesus saves us. And there, uh, one of the things I was thinking of with it, I had written the word converts in here, and then I made a, a couple of phone calls to some of our newest members here at Water of Life, and I just asked them if they'd be willing to serve on our discipleship committee, you know, helping with fellowship awesome. events, and because I thought. All right, this is an opportunity for them to be involved as they're on fire for the Lord as the new members get to meet other people. And yet it's not super involved and so forth. It's a good way for them to network, get to know other people, and then train them up to become future leaders in the church. Uh, yeah. But so, Jeremy, you know, we talked about maybe that passion that new converts have. What can our listeners do to recapture that passion and then fire that, you know, they may have had and it's maybe a slow, slow burn now. 
Um, I, I think that's kind of something more in, in God's domain um, that if he wants to, I mean, if, if that's very important to you, you can certainly ask him to give that to you. But um, it, it's also just as much of a God-pleasing um, faith to, to be quietly confident um, that, that you don't, you don't need to be on fire for the Lord uh, in order to have true faith. Um, that's, that's just a wonderful gift that he gives and he gives out different amounts of gifts and different gifts to different people. Um, so I, I think one answer would be just wait for him to give it to you on his, in his good time. Uh, and, uh, another answer would be, um, reading his word and letting that work in you. And then maybe last of all, I would say, ask him, ask and you shall receive. Well, and I think too is, uh, you know, obviously getting more into the word because sometimes we do lose our passion. And so just like you might in a marriage. And so you have to be reminded every once in a while, especially the guys uh, from, from our wives is, Hey, we need to go out on dates more often. You know, if you have some free time off of school to go and bring your wife some flowers and so forth, uh, those kind of things. And, you know, recapture that passion. And I think that's where, to bring it full circle, you know, that's where you're very helpful, Brian, is to tell those stories of passion. And then, you know, like we, we, we just had an LWMS rally here and I've spoken at LWMS rally last month, Lutheran Women's Missionary Society. These women are passionate and they need to be told the stories and then go home to their congregations and get excited about what God does. So the last question I have for you guys is, is anything else uh, that we can learn from the account of the Emmaus disciples that we haven't talked about here? I think one of the biggest things that comes to my mind is just that like these disciples, um, you know, we all, God works in our lives at different rates, right? Um, you know, sometimes it just clicks right away. And other times it's a little bit longer or slow of a process, right? And, and, and that's okay. You know, um, it can be discouraging sometimes if maybe we are witnessing to a, a non-believer and it takes, it seemingly takes forever, right? Um, but that's okay. That's That might be the best way for that particular person. And that's just the way that God's working on their heart. That's kind of one thing that I get out of this. Jeremy, you have anything else? You get a very a good um, lesson on how to interpret the scriptures when uh, you read what uh, Jesus says to the Emmaus disciples. And he says that uh, he used verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, uh, he explained what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So if ever you're wondering, what does this part of the Bible mean? The, the short answer is Jesus. It is somehow pointing to or, or supporting uh, the good news that Jesus is our Savior. Um, the other thing I would say that I've learned uh, from, from this whole discussion is that uh, 
Ryan needs to watch The Mandalorian, and Michael needs to watch <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. On it. How, where do I watch it? It sounds really interesting. Well, on a, on a, a channel that neither, neither one of us want to promote here. Okay, don't okay, all right, all right. But you know, we can tell you <laughs> off air. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. And then uh, I, I guess what one last thing I would pick up on here is kind of building on what Jeremy said is something else that – uh, is said here is they still did not understand from scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead, that their sight, their logic, and their emotions were, were very human, but they all led them away from Christ, like any of our sight and logic and emotions do. And that's why we've got to get into the scriptures so that when we don't understand why things are uh, happening the way they are, we go back to scripture and say, God's in control. God is uh, in the future and in the past, and he, he's got his words and his promises, and he's in control. And so, and, and everything ties in to Jesus. Can I throw one more thing in real quick? Yeah. What, um, just, you know, something else that stood out to me is just the fact that faith is a gift from God that even though uh, these disciples had a burning desire to see their prophet again, they couldn't without Jesus opening their eyes. You know, they didn't have, they, they couldn't make the decision to open their eyes to see Jesus. Jesus opened their eyes in order for them to see him. And so it's truly something that God and Jesus does for us. Um, it's not something that that we decide to do in order to um, have faith, but it's truly a gift that he does for us. And how great is that? That's a good point. And then this is the second week in a row we've had such great discussion on the gospel lesson <laughs> gospel lessons are, are long too that we haven't gotten into the epistle lesson which is fantastic but i want to encourage our listeners to read the epistle lesson on their own jeremy was referencing it before just want to uh, use this uh, one verse because it's so key peter writes you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, not with things that pass away, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or defect. So just as we were talking about is just pointing to Jesus and who he is and what he's done. All right, we'll wrap it up here. So this is Michael Zarling with Brian Urbanek of Goldwind Productions and Fashionably Lightning. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wants the water of life take it as a gift. Stay thirsty, my friends, then drink deeply from the water of life.